We are dismissing children for Children's Church. That's ages 4 through 1st grade. And you can head out this north door. And it looks like Miss Caitlin Johnson is in charge of that. So go get him. Well, if we've not met, I'm Nathan Brand. I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, today is going to be a little different format for our Sunday service, especially with the message. Because we're going through a kind of a question and answer time about, well, what do we believe here at Berean? And how do we practice those things? And so you, if you've been here, you've had an opportunity to put in questions. And some of those questions will be voted up. And uh, we're going to be answering some of those questions. So I'm inviting the elder board to make their way on up here. Because I'm not standing up here alone. And... Uh, we're going we're gonna to answer some of those questions. And so if you're here for the first time, you're going to kind of find out a little bit of who we are. Uh, but it is certainly grounded in the title Berean. If you're not familiar with what the Berean church is about, you can read about it in Acts chapter 17. Where the Apostle Paul is bringing the message of the gospel to Asia Minor. And he's getting chased out of town from place to place. He leaves a place called Thessalonia, and he comes to Berea. And it, the comment about what Paul is preaching there is this, that Paul, the Thessalonians were more noble than the, and the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they received the message with eagerness, but they also looked in God's Word to see that these things were so. And that's what we're about. We're a church that says, hey, we want to receive what God has for us with eagerness, but we also want to confirm it in God's Word. So, with no further ado, I'm going to turn over to John Downer, because he's kind of the, the mastermind behind this, and then we're going to have at it. So, John, you're kind of our MC. Take it away. Well, thanks to everyone that uh, participated by uh, submitting questions or uploading or just uh, working with what is out there. Um, I wanted to start by saying we uh, live in that lives. So I don't, I've never used the slide before this, so I'm learning it. And uh, so according to the slide of analytics that I was sent after this was over, they said we had 40 users, uh, 40 different people I actually would try to address, and then nine different people contributed. So nine different people asked questions for customers. That feels a lot too low to me. I feel like that's not exactly accurate. But even if it's off by a little bit, it's a small portion of our company. So, as we go into these questions and, answer, and you know, answer some of them as best as we can, one of the things that we had to recognize as an elder board was that the questions were coming from a small group of people. So they're not representative necessarily of where we all are. So that's, I think, important context. And another challenge along with that, when you've got people 180 or so that are norm, you know, regularly here, maybe slightly less than that, um, we have different opinions. We have different ideas about what we're looking for. And so these two questions I want to start with, these were two of the questions we got. <laughs> so there's, there's at least one person plus three others that want to have the drums up, and then there's at least one person that want to turn the drums down. And I would assume the rest of you are probably okay with it the way they are. So that's the sort of thing where you, once you invite people to ask questions, you might get questions like this, and there's no way of winning here. So we're going to just leave the drums where they are and hope that the four of you who had different opinions can, can uh, bear with us in that. 
So with that, I'm going to turn it over to the first question that got the most upvotes to uh, Nathan. Oh, am I on? Yeah. yeah. So, you can read this, but I'm going to read it out loud. With strong biblical women leaders like Miriam, Esther, Deborah, Priscilla, Lydia, Phoebe, why does BCC not allow women leaders in a wider roles in the church? So, a few different things I want to address. We believe that God has given women leadership abilities. And this list is, is just the evidence of it, first of all. Um, and second of all, I want to say we actually have women in some pretty key leadership roles here. I don't know if you know this or not, but the leader of our, of our missions committee is Kathy Kuhlman. And yeah, we can... Okay. <laughs> I got more to list, so we can't applaud everybody. But Kathy, you're worth applauding. So... Um, you've got Becky Atwood, who works with our, our worship ministry. We would be lost without her. We've got um, Christy Reynolds, who heads up our office. And, you know, you may think, well, she's just a paid, you know, a paid office coordinator. I'll tell you what, if she was not there giving leadership, we would be lost. We'd be cast adrift. And then you'd be left with Neil and myself organizing. And you wouldn't want that. Trust me. Um, you know, and then we've got my own wife, Carrie Brand, coordinating things with women's ministry and, and children's ministry. You've got Beth Osterlin in um, uh, nursery, Amy Young with Little Lambs. And, you know, to say that ministering to children is just women's work is wrong-headed. It is wrong-headed. But those ladies are having an impact on the next generation. I've got Polly Swartz, who works with our, our children's church and leadership there. So women are exercising leadership within our church, whether we acknowledge that or not it's happening um you know and just a few other things you know if we actually had deacons the way we view deacons which the, the literal word for deacon means table servant which was a group of men who served the church we would we would have uh no problem if women wanted to feel uh fill that role in fact we can read about a woman uh deaconess called phoebe in romans chapter 16 verses 1 and 2 so that's, that's part of what, how we think women could, could serve in leadership. And, and we here as elders even feel a freedom. If God would raise up a female worship leader, we would be okay with that. I understand that there are some that don't, would take issue with that. But we as, a, as an elder board are okay with that scripturally, looking at someone like a Miriam. Um, but we don't have an agenda for that either. And so we're, we're trusting that the Lord is the Lord of His church. And if He wants that, He'll raise that up here at Breen Community Church. So, uh, God has clearly shown us in His Word that there's an equality between men and women. You can look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, that says, Therefore there is no Greek or Jew, slave or free, male or female. However, it does delineate there is a difference between men and women. And this is where this is probably where the divide comes here. Um, but again, we're Bereans, and we believe that God has clearly instructed that men are to lead the church. In fact, First uh, Timothy two uh, twelve to fourteen, Paul says, "I do not permit women to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived, it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. So Paul's argument is not from the culture around him in Ephesus. 
it's, it's from creation order. And we see that more so even as God uh, tells us through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians that men are to assume headship in, in worship. Um, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, starting with Jesus as the head, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. And, and men are called to take leadership and headship in their own family. You can talk about that in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, where wives are called to submit to their husbands. Husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church. It's not a lording over their wives. It is a self-sacrificial uh, giving of themselves. So, now that's what we believe that God is clearly teaching. I realize I'm not going to be able to address every what if, what about, you know, kind of situation. But those are the broad strokes. And for here at Berean, what that means is men are the ones who are called to be our elders. That's where the, the spiritual authority lay here and to be the pastors. That's how it works here at Berean. So that's, that's how we go about things. Again, we're Bereans. We're looking in God's Word to see how these things work and how they come out. Let me just say this last thing, though. If I think women naturally tend to fill those gaps. And when men let that happen, the church becomes less. And just from a practical standpoint, when men take leadership, it benefits the family, it benefits the church. These are just some statistics I looked up this week from Promise Keepers and then the Baptist Press. If a dad does not go to church growing up, then 1 in 50 of those children who didn't have a dad going to church, will go to church later on in their life. But if dad does go to church regularly, then 70% of those children will end up going to church. That's the impact a dad has. If you were here on Tuesday night, the heart of the father, the impact that a father has is huge. Another thing, coming from the Baptist press, if the first person to come to Christ in a family, you know, what kind of what kind of impact will they have about others coming to Christ? If it's a child in the family, 3.5% that others will follow and come to Christ. If mom comes to faith in a family, first in a, in a family, then the chances are 17% that the rest of the family will follow suit. If the father comes to faith, is the first person to come to faith in the family, then it moves up to 93%. So that is the impact that men can have on their families. And we realize there are some questions about uh, impacting men here and uh, ministering to them. Uh, we want to get better at that. We want to continue to grow our, our, our men's ministry. So, guys, part of that is participating. You've got to be a part of that. And what we're planning to do this fall is actually re-engage uh, men's fraternity. And you may go, I've already done that. That's fine. That's great. Who are you bringing alongside now to go through a curriculum like that, to talk about what it means to be a man and follow Christ. So we're going to be starting that this fall. If you've already gone through that process, maybe there's somebody you want to bring along to go through that process. So I hope that brings a little bit of clarity about where we're coming from in addressing these issues here at Berea. Thanks, Nathan. Uh, the next two questions we're going to do together because they cover some of the same ground. How are we uh, supporting, equipping, and developing volunteers, leaders to decrease burnout and ministry collapse? And how do we as elders shepherd and oversee those leaders and volunteers in our ministry areas? So I'm going to handle this one. 
four things came to mind. One of them is that in the fall, we started something called Berean Leaders Fellowship, where we identified who are the people within our church, male and female, who are heading up different ministry areas, children's church, life together groups, missions, local missions, all these different areas. And we've been gathering that group of people monthly since August with the intent to pour into them, do some training, fellowship, support them, equip them, care for them. That's been all part of what we've been doing over the last year. Um, Another thing that we do as elders is that every uh, elder meeting we have, we we set aside some time for what we call people notes, which is who do we need, like what's going on in the body? In particular, you know, are there people who we know are struggling because maybe they're reaching that burnout point or we're aware of some health challenges? So it's not always leaders that we talk about, but it is sometimes leaders that we talk about, but it's trying to discern from the spirit who are the people who are in need right now and how can we support them? Who can check in with them, call on them? How can we pray for them? Uh, thirdly, as elders, we have divided up the um, directory and we kind of have people that we are sort of in charge of following up on. So there's intentionality on our elder board to be connecting regularly, relationally with people. It's obviously a huge list of people for a small group of elders. So if you haven't heard from us in a while, it's because it takes time to get through that list. Um, but certainly if you have a pressing need, we want to know about it. So there is intentionality about trying to be engaging in the lives of the people who are uh, on the front lines especially. And then fourthly, Um, We also talk, and this is something we've talked about in the Berean Leaders Fellowship, about succession planning. As a leader, how are you raising up the people who will follow you in leadership? That's something that is a responsibility you have as a leader that you may not realize, but that is something you should be thinking about as a leader. Who is the next person to lead a Life Together group? Who in in your group is going to be capable of doing that? Maybe your group gets to the point where there's 14 of you and you need to divide and you know, multiply and create space for more people to get involved. So who is that person? Who's the next person who's going to take over adult education after Jim eventually stops doing it after 25 years? So thinking through that succession planning and equipping and preparing those people who will be our next round of leaders is something that's really important to us. Um, the next question is about worship, and we're going to pass it over to Neil to start on that. Oops. All right. Check, check. All right, got it. So, uh, the next question about worship. Uh, The church calendar is currently in the midst of Lent. BCC celebrates Advent, but not Lent or any other church feasts, seasons, or holy days. Why not? I'll tell you, I am thankful for this question because I've never been more ready (laughs) to answer this question. Based off of uh, what we've been teaching for our uh, Wednesday nights uh, for our students. So, currently we're in a series called... Uh, the food share games, where we're raising a bunch of food and money, but also teaching on spiritual hunger. And so uh, when it comes to the, 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 the season of Lent, one of the things for us to, to keep in mind is, what, well, what's the purpose in Lent? I would say for each one of those festivals, each, each tradition, each season, um, it, it's good to investigate and see what is the purpose of that season. Um, I, I think what, one of the reasons why we make sure that we do Advent every single year is because it's pointing forward to Jesus. It's pointing forward to the, the, the birth of Christ. And that is a, 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 a the Christmas season is, is something that, 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 that we look forward to as, as we anticipate the coming of Christ. 
Um, Lent has some different um, cultural connotations uh, and, and some different connections. Um, one of the things with Lent is fasting. And so with that series that I was mentioning earlier, we just talked about fasting this past week and, and talked about the place of fasting. So I just taught out of Acts 13 where there was these men in the church at Antioch, five men sitting there praying and seeking the Lord and worshiping. And what else were they doing? They were fasting. And so um, and, and what happened out of that worshiping and pr- that worship and prayer was they, uh, they sent out Paul and Barnabas out of that place. And so I'm, I'm going to read um, John chapter 6 because it's good to get some scripture in here. Uh, and, and so that we, uh, uh, hold me back if, if I'm, I'm preaching too long. But uh, John chapter 6, um, there, the, the reality that we're going through with our, our series for our students is the reality of physical hunger, which is what Lent is all about, is holding back physical hunger so that we have spiritual hunger. And so Jesus says in John chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. So this is verse 35. Jesus told them, no one comes to me, uh, no one who comes to me will ever hunger, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. And so the, uh, the, the, the point of Lent is to have this, this spiritual hunger, to, to have a discipline, a physical discipline, so that you have this spiritual hunger. And uh, one, one of the things that I would say to this question is it's very important for us to do that, but we don't call a fast for everyone in the church, uh, but we do do it in, within the context of discipleship. A meeting with a, a, a group of guys where we are focusing on, uh, on, on doing a fast leading up to Easter, but it's, with, it's within the context of discipleship that, that, that we're doing that. And we're holding each other accountable to that thing. And so um, there, there, there's other festivals and traditions um, uh, like the Feast of Trumpets. I don't know if anybody here has ever celebrated the Feast of Trumpets. Anyone? Okay. Okay. A couple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, but... I, I, I have a buddy who is a uh, pastor at a Messianic congregation in Minneapolis, and that's a part of their faith tradition. And I understand that many of us here at Berean might come from different faith traditions and have roots in different faith traditions. And so I, I would say in towards this question, we don't not not celebrate these things. I would encourage everyone to find different festivals and traditions that, that, that are celebrated throughout Scripture, um, but uh, there, there are a few that we enter in as a congregation, as a body, and seek the Lord in. And so um, I would encourage you, if you want to do a fast for Lent, we've still got 21 days left, <laughs> you can still do it. And I would encourage you to do it within the context of discipleship. Get a couple buddies, get a couple friends to do that fast with you, uh, it could be fasting from technology. It could be fasting from something else. It could be fasting from food. You could say, "Hey, we're not going to um, do a we're, we're not going to eat lunch on Wednesdays, and we're just going to spend that time praying." And uh, and I'll tell you that there are certain fasts that I do for our youth ministry. Uh, fasting for a purpose is, is important. So if you have a burden for something to happen in our church to see God move in a specific way. Uh, if you want to join me in fasting for student ministry, I'm not going to tell you when, but 
if you want to join in, I'll tell you when, and we can do it together. Uh, but doing it within the context of discipleship, I think that's a really effective way to do fasting. So, uh, is the next question me too? Nathan's. Okay. Next. So when choosing worship songs for our service, what criteria do we use? Do we consider the beliefs of the people slash ministries writing the songs to be significant? Uh, first of all, let me say the first murder was over worship style, so just keep that in mind. Um, but in the process of choosing music, how we do this here at Berean, you know, I will engage with the worship leaders that week and say, hey, I am preaching about this passage. These are the major themes, and I'll send them that information. And I may even say, this song may fit into that category. And, and then we'll interact and we'll engage about that. And uh, so that's kind of the, how we go about things. The questions we're asking, first of all, is it true? Is of what we're singing true? Number two, are we, what we're singing biblical? You know, are we saying something contrary to the Scripture and, and contrary to God's Word? So here's an example of a song we, we use, and we actually change the words. There's a song called Lion of Judah we sing quite often. And there's um, a line that says about Jesus, who descended to die, yet was raised up to reign with his, at his father's side. The original line was, he descended to hell, and was raised up to reign at his father's side. And that comes out of an understanding, really probably more so from the Apostles' Creed or a later version of the Apostles' Creed than from the Scriptures. And so we changed that because we said, you know, we, we don't believe that here. And uh, <laughs> there have been a couple times where we actually had the old lyric up there and someone's called me and said, hey, have we changed this? I said, no, we just, it was an oversight. So, um... That's one of the things. But in choosing a song, we're also probably choosing more so, a little bit more on individual merit of each song than disqualifying a song due to a disagreement with the author or the ministry on secondary issues or even the moral failure of a leader. Now listen to me. If we qualified it from moral failure, we would not be singing anything written by David. We've not seen any of that. And then I just want to go through some of the hymnity that we might actually find ourselves a little bit, you know, in a different category than a, uh, the author. Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, written by Robbie Robinson. Uh, if you know his story, Robbie was struggling with his faith at the end of his life. In fact, he wasn't even sure whether he was following Christ. And, it, and there was rumors that he was hanging out with the Unitarians. If you know anything about the Unitarians, they don't believe in the deity of Christ. But that song is true. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That was probably Robbie's struggle. So we need to keep that in mind. And as, as far as I know, he's still died with his faith in Christ intact. I don't know. I wasn't there. It was the, eight, it was the 1790s. So, um, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, written by Marty Luther. Martin Luther. Who God used mightily in the Protestant Reformation to 
make us look in the Scriptures, right? But if you hold Martin Luther to a, a close, a close uh, magnifying glass, he would tell you he believed in baby baptism because if a baby died without being baptized, they would go to hell. I would say, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's what the Scriptures teach. So we have a difference of opinion. Also, he held strongly anti-Semite um, opinions at the end of his life because of poor interaction with some Jews. So we've got that. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. John Newton, who became an Anglican priest. Well, if you know anything about Anglican theology, the, the affirmation is the head of the church is the British monarch. You'd say, I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Some things we've seen recently. Lord, I Need You, written by Matt Maurer. He's coming from more of a Catholic background. And Days of Elijah, also Lion of Judah, coming from Robin Mark. Both also coming from a Catholic background. So again, we're probably weighing things more on an individual basis than on secondary issues we may disagree with. Or even, even a failure of somebody in that ministry. Uh, there's a question, can we sing more traditional hymns? My answer is sure. Sure we can. Here's some of the challenges. Um, my worship leaders only know so many hymns. And so if you know some hymns and want to be a part of that renaissance, come on to the worship team and help uh, cue us up with that. Um, and I'll tell you, if you're new to the church, hymns are not that easy to sing. They're not that, we who grew up with it, like, well, I know that, what's the problem? No, they're really kind of challenging to sing. Um, and also, um, you know, not all hymns are really theologically rich. There's a song called, I Come to the Garden Alone. And it's very emotional, it's very, it speaks of intimacy with Christ. It's not a really theologically rich song. So, I mean, there are a few others I could name. I'm not looking to, to, to uh, trash hymns. But I'm just saying, hey, we'd love to have a mix. But here's the truth about who we are. We are an intergenerational church. We're coming from a lot of different backgrounds. And so here's the thing. There might be a time when we're singing a song that is not your favorite. And that is a time when you have an opportunity to exercise grace. Because this song is speaking to somebody else other than you. And you get to choose the interest of another brother or sister over your own preferences like Philippians 2, 4 talks about. Worship ultimately is not about us and pleasing us. It's ultimately about connecting with the living God, valuing Him, giving Him worthship. And there might be moments where the presentation is not your favorite presentation. The question you need to ask, is it true? Is it biblical? And if it's not, Come talk to me. Come talk to us. We, hey, we want to, we want to traffic in the truth. But that's, but that's kind of how we go about that process. So more than you wanted to know. Are we taking questions? Because if I, if I open Pandora's box here. Yeah, we <laughs> Okay. Sorry, Bobby. Save questions <laughs> till the end. Yeah. Uh, Neil, you're up next. Uh, so the next question is, why do we not include confession of sins by worshipers and absol absolution 
from the pastor based on faith in Christ as a part of our regular worship services. What does that mean? Okay, so for some of us that might be new, um, you might be wondering, where is this coming from, Neil? You might say, where is this coming from, Neil? Where is this coming from? Okay, Uh, so in certain faith traditions, uh, actually my wife, who's running Children's Church right now, is uh, she was saved through the PCA Church, so the Presbyterian Church of America. And a part of their liturgy, a part of their service, was a time of corporate confession. Every single worship service, they would have a time of corporate confession. And like we, I've attended, I've attended PCA churches and and participated in that time of corporate confession, where you just have a moment where they have a song where you have time to confess your sin before God. And then through Scripture, there, there's multiple Scriptures that they use for this, uh, but the, usually the go-to is John, uh, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, and so the, the pastor uh, shares that for everyone, and it's an assurance of pardon. So assurance that your sin that you've confessed is forgiven. Now, at Berean, we don't follow liturgy. Like, your bulletin doesn't have a list of every song that we're going to sing and everything that we're going to read and every scripture. Um, that is not a... a, a we, we, we have a liturgy, but it comes from our hearts. It comes from the, the, the order that we set up for the service. And um, so, uh, one of the questions... I mean, the N-O-T is really capitalized there, right? Um, so... We do include confession of sin, and confession of sin is an important part. Uh, Once a month, we make sure that we do communion, and we don't just do it as a tack-on. We do it as an important part of our service, and this is... uh, So some of you, especially students, we've had this question before in our Sunday school class, what do you think about when there's the music playing during the uh, communion service? Some of us, especially, you know, kids, we might be figuring this out. We might say, you know, when am I getting out of here? But that time is meaningful. That time is where we search our hearts. and We say, search my heart, O God. Is there anything that I need to confess before I enter into this time of communion? Because one thing I appreciate about Nathan and one thing I appreciate about us in what we do is we don't enter in lightly. Every single time we mention that if you do this in an unworthy manner, you're drinking condemnation on yourself, that you are actually hurting yourself by doing it in a wrong manner. So when we approach the communion table, it is so important that we spend some time in confession to say, God, is there anything else? Is there anything else that's separating me from you? And, how can, I, and, and can I confess that and receive that forgiveness? And every single time, Nathan, every single time, if I'm leading, we, we will have that assurance of pardon that you are forgiven. That when we come to the communion table, it is a celebration. We are celebrating what Christ has done. And that's what Jesus instructs us to do at the end. He says, when you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you, you do it in celebration. You are celebrating the Lord's death until I return. And so that's, it, 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 it's all there. there, there we, we don't use the word absolution from sin very often, uh, we, but uh, I, I would say it is a, uh, a foundational part of who we are as a church. 
And I would encourage you to engage at that level. When we have that time for confession, when we have that time uh, around communion, and also within some of our messages, there is a time of response. After every single service, if we have time, (laughs) we have a closing song. That's a time for us to get our hearts right before God. I mean, for our youth, we have our Tune My Heart nights, and our youth are growing to love those worship nights because it's a time to get our hearts right before God. So confession is something that doesn't happen in a moment. It's something that is a part of the Christian life. And so I'd encourage us with that today. Okay, Dave, you're going to address a couple of missions-related questions for us. All right, well, good morning. Good morning. So uh, question, why is mission support such a small portion of our budget? Is there a better use of our funds than more support for the spread of the gospel to all people? So uh, let me first of all start with, um, so why do we even have missions in our budget at all, right? So why, is that, why do we consider that to be important? So first things first is um, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen says, we all know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that's part of, you know, a big reason, right? We're called to send forth people. And I found that when I was doing some, some investigation the other day, I came across this quote from John Stott, which I thought was, was pretty interesting. It said, we must be global Christians with a global vision because our God is a global God, John Stott. So I thought that was a really a, you know, a, good, a good quote. So um, when I joined the missions uh, team several, uh, several years ago, I remember when I joined, um, I think John was the leading at the time, and, and he, he said, and he, I remember him making this comment, we as a, as a global missions team have committed to at least 10% of our budget going towards global missions. So therefore, we are saying that we are going to tithe our budget to global missions. And as far as I know, ever since I've been on the, uh, on the missions team, that ha- we have met that goal. So just for some comparison's sake, I just want to, to give a little bit of context. So cl- currently, uh, we give uh, 10.3% of our budget goes to global missions, and 2.7% of, uh, of our budget goes to local missions. So for the math people out there, total is 13%. Yeah, very good. All right, so we're about uh, 13%. Just, again, for a little bit more context, for comparison's sake uh, to what other, some other churches around do, Autumn Ridge um, gives their combined would be about 20% of their budget goes to both global and local missions. Calvary E-Free, um, basically what they, based on the data that we have here, is about, they give about 10% global missions. So where we are, we're about right in the middle, you know, again, compared to those other churches. I know we're not here to compare ourselves to other churches, but just again for a little bit of context. Furthermore, um, you know, we do, right, we're still, we still have a, uh, a mortgage um, on this church. And again, I know among elders, we have talked about once our goal, right, is to get this, um, get this mortgage paid off so that we can increase giving, right? In, we can increase giving towards local missions and global missions. So ultimately, our goal is to increase. That's all I have. 
Uh, local missions also. Were you going to say anything about that? Some of our partners that we have? <laughs> so we are involved with New Life, Bear Creek, Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, um, some of the things that we're doing on a local basis, Salt and Light Ministries. Uh, we have people who are individually involved with the landing, um, Kenosha Apartments. These are all ways in which, as a body, we're reaching out locally. Um, Darren, do you want to talk about uh, some adult ed-related questions? So, yeah, we had two questions related to this. Um, the main one being, you know, what goes into the making of the decision of what the Sunday school topics will be? It is, a, is it a group of decision amongst the elders, or is there a committee? And then secondarily, about potentially having a class or study more oriented towards beginners or those uh, new to the faith. And so to address the, the first question, I mean, many of you already know, if not, you learned this morning when John referenced that uh, Jim Cluth has been the leader of our adult education uh, committee uh, ministry uh, here at Berean, and he's faithfully led us in that regard for several years. Um, and so with that, at the beginning of every ministry season, you know, Jim and Nathan will meet to uh, discuss you know, what ministry offerings are we going to have in the realm of adult education for that upcoming session. Um, and as ministry leader, uh, you know, Jim will propose a lot of the topics out of his study, out of his personal prayer and preparation, and seeking the Lord's guidance on what those um, topics may be. Um, also, Nathan will suggest things as he's led to do so. Um, and there are other times as well where maybe Jim or Nathan have received a, a suggestion from someone within the church or a specific request for a, a topic of a class to be led, and those will certainly be brought under consideration as well. You know, in terms of the, the final decisions about what gets presented uh, for us to attend on those Sunday mornings, and certainly with Nathan's approval, you know, each uh, decision is, takes into account several factors. You know, one, what's the merit of the individual study that's being proposed? Obviously, that's easy when it's a scriptural study uh, of a book, but we need to consider that certainly if we want to do something that's not directly scriptural focused, but maybe dealing with some of the more issues in culture, society around us, those sorts of things. Um, we also need to look at how those topics potentially mesh with other ministry directives in the church, where God's leading in the church at that time, and see how those things can kind of come together and work together to fulfill God's purpose in that moment, in that season. And also, really importantly, we need to consider the willingness and the availability of teachers capable of leading those classes and leading on those topics. Because if we don't have uh, those individuals who can lead those studies, then we obviously can't, can't offer that in a really meaningful way. So that's really important in how we, we come to reaching those decisions. You know, obviously, as I said, a lot of the focus is on study of Scripture because that's critical. We need to be able to come together and interact with the Word together, grow together in those ways. Um, also, there's always a strong focus on you know, practical aspects of living out our Christian faith and what that looks like. But there are other topics that are also appropriate for those sessions, too. And so, you know, with that, I'd say if you have an idea for, for a topic or a particular study that you'd like to bring forward, we'd certainly welcome those, uh, those suggestions and certainly consider that and what that could look like. Um, and so do feel free to reach out to us if you have a suggestion or something along those lines. You can always talk to Jim, you can talk to Pastor Neil, Pastor Nathan, any of us on the elder board. We'd be happy to have that conversation with you and see how we could potentially use that to build up the body. Because that's really what these adult education classes are about. You know, we need to be deepening our understanding 
of Scripture, our understanding of who God is, how he's working, and how we can use that in our lives practically and extending that out uh, into the community beyond just the doors here on Sunday morning. So, you know, as far as the second question there about offering a Bible class or study for beginners, I would say, you know, that's a really interesting idea and one that really appeals to me personally, too. And, and we obviously don't have time to have that full discussion now, but if you'd like to discuss more what that looks like, because you could take that question in several different directions, you know, let us know. Reach out to, to me or anyone up here, and we'd be happy to talk about what that could look like and, and how we could use that idea. So. Thanks, Darren. The next questions were sort of specific to pastoral leadership, um, overall leadership of the church. The first one, I'm not going to read it because we're kind of running short on time here. You can read it. Uh, it's a, this is a difficult question. Um, and I would say that uh, we have limited bandwidth. Uh, we're volunteers except for these two uh, full-time pastoral staff. We meet monthly uh, for business meetings and then additionally for prayer, which sometimes becomes a second business meeting because there's so much to talk about. So I would say we ask for your discernment with what you bring to us. Uh, first of all, I would say, is it biblical? Is the concern that you have a matter of truth versus error, heresy versus, you know, being right, you know, and sticking to the word? Is it biblical? And then is it other-centric versus self-centric? Is it something that is a personal bone to pick that you have, or is it something that you feel has, like, wide application? Uh, if it's about the drums and the, you know, how loud they are, if this is maybe like hurting your ears, then sure, yeah, talk to us about it. If it's just a personal preference about it, that might, might be something that you necessarily need to bring to us. Or you don't like the color of the carpet. People have left churches over the color of the carpet. And we would ask and hope that we would leave behind those sorts of personal preference issues and try to really focus in on the things that are really core beliefs and not secondary issues. So if what you have to bring forward passes that litmus test, if it really is something that is not just specific to you, but you think has wide application to the body and is a matter of, of truth or error, then absolutely we want to hear that. And just come and talk to us about it. You know, any one of us would be happy to have that conversation with you. And then for the second question, I want to just tell a quick story. And that is at a church that uh, Naomi and I and our family were a part of a long time ago, the pastor's name was Rod. And I thought that was such a great name for a pastor because he was a lightning rod, as all pastors are. All the static in the church goes to the pastor, typically. Anybody who has something to say is going to say it to the pastor in order to you know, be heard, you know, express whatever it is that they're feeling. Um, and, so, and, and I saw that happen all the time with him because he was the only person on staff. He was the only pastor, so it all went to him. And as a Sunday school, or not a Sunday school, a small group, one of the times what we did is we just wrote letters, actual letters, handwritten, of encouragement to him, and then we staggered out sending them. So our entire small group wrote a letter, and we sent them about once a week just to encourage him. Have I done that here? No, I have to confess I haven't done that here. But it's something I remember. It had a good impact on him, and I would say maybe do something like that. You can ask them. Ask them directly, how can we support you? How can we encourage you? Or just take initiative and do something. Be creative. Find ways to encourage them. Uh, next is Joel is going to talk a little bit about some membership-related questions. All right. So the significance of becoming a member of Berean uh, and the importance of that. Uh, to start with, you know, there's probably as many perspectives on church membership as there are people attending church. Uh, the church I grew up in, 
there were probably more members than regular attenders because I think you became a member automatically when you were baptized as an infant into the church. The church we attended in New Mexico, uh, it was the largest church in the state, probably about 8,000 attenders when we were there. There were no members. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the range. Here at Berean, we're, we're somewhere in between those extremes. We do have an official membership policy, and it's something we talk about in the membership class. Um, there's three, kind of three parts to that about why membership, and the first is a decision to commit oneself to a local body of believers, to submit oneself to the godly leadership of that body, and to support the local body as directed by scripture and led by the Holy Spirit with your time, talents, and finances. And, the, and then the membership commitment works in both directions. So the church is also committing to encourage and support those who have taken this step of membership. And then our practice here is uh, both practical and personal. And from the practical sense, membership identifies our church family and provides a tangible accountability for the church as a whole. Um, it shows agreement on the essential beliefs in our statement of faith. And here we say that membership is required for voting at a congregational meeting as well as for serving as small group leader, director, coordinator, or Bible teacher for middle school and up. So that gives us some sense that the people in those positions have agreed with the statement of faith here at Brian. And then from the personal side, uh, it encourages spiritual growth. So the New Testament places a major emphasis on the need for Christians to be accountable to each other for spiritual growth. Um, you know, you can't be accountable when you're not committed to any specific church family. And we know, I think, that commitment always builds character. So that's the basics. Uh, the, the specific policy you can see in CCB, the church database, if you log into that and go to the info tab in the member and regular attenders group or you know, talk to one of us, talk to the church office, and we can get you a copy of that policy that we have in place. Thanks, Dave. Do you want to speak briefly to the next two? Briefly being the keyword. <laughs> yeah. uh, just quickly, First uh, Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Let me just quickly give uh, a couple examples of um, how I, I see effectively recruiting and people volunteering. I, the, the first way that I, I would say is a personal invitation. Me walking up to you and saying, you know, I've seen you do work in this area, and I think you would be great at serving alongside me. It's just an amazing blessing, and I'll just give you a quick story. Uh, Sixteen plus years ago, uh, the, the then uh, youth pastor, middle school youth pastor, walked up to me and said that to me. He said, I think you'd do an amazing job working with our youth. How about you come join me and, and work with uh, the youth? And uh, crazily, I said, sure, I'll do that. And, but it was, it was an amazing blessing. And I, I was uh, working with the youth up until uh, just recently. Uh, and that youth pastor um, that, that asked me to join him, I'm still great friends with him today, 16 plus years later, and he's no longer at this church. 
Um, another example is if you just if you see a need. Um, so, for example, I use this as my example for as I see a need. There was a need in the sound booth for both running sound and running slides. And so I said, okay, I'll be happy, I'll jump in. I'm not musical, right? I'm not musical at all. My family is musical. So this gives me a chance to serve alongside my family. I can be in the back and I can serve alongside them, though I can't, I can't carry a tune to save my life, right? But, but that's besides the point. Again, it's a huge blessing. And I'll just give one more story. Last, uh, last week, I was serving alongside Dan Arms. And we just got done talking about um, bikes. You know, again, just we were talking about bikes and how much we enjoy riding bikes. And then Sunday afternoon, he shows up at my house on his bike. You know, again, just a great, a great a way, uh, just a huge blessing to myself. And, you know, I, I get just as much out of it as, as anyone. So I would strongly encourage you to, if you feel it, you know, there's something that you would like to get involved with, I would strongly encourage you to. But don't be surprised if I walk up to you and say, hey, why don't you come serve alongside me? Don't run the other way, please. Thanks, Dave. We're going to skip the next question for time reasons, and we'll uh, address that one uh, later. So there are a few questions on here, and the, the last one will be on this list too. So the Colossians question, Nathan's going to preach on Colossians next, so he's going to address this very soon from the pulpit. Um, the effectiveness, meeting our purpose, how do we know if we're effective? That's something we're actually addressing on Tuesday night at our Berean Leaders Fellowship because we're not really doing a whole lot of that, and we know we need to. Um, so we'll be addressing that on Tuesday night with our leaders, and then the last two we will uh, address in writing. So we'll put something out, an announcement, and we'll do the spiritual gifts or the tongues question that way too. So um, with that, um, Joel is going to wrap us up here with the last question. So this is a bit of a loaded question, I would say, but what I'm going to do is just share three things that came to my mind when I thought about this based on almost 22 years now of attending here at Berean. And I want to preface this by uh, saying that my intent is for this to be encouragement, and it's based on my personal experiences and observations. So Pastor Nathan, Pastor Neil, uh, the other elders would, uh, I'm sure, have different things on their lists. Uh, so with that in mind, here, my encouragement would be these three things. Uh, one, give generously. And that's not just money, although I think that's a big part of tithing, but it's, you know, time and your skills as well. We've talked about some of that already. And I would say take God up on his promise to the Israelites that he made through Malachi, where he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That's Malachi 3.10. I firmly believe that whatever your situation is, uh, if you trust God in this way, he will bless you more than you know. Uh, second, worship here in person. Uh, we've all, most of us, I'm sure, are familiar with Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, where uh, the Bible says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, so 
for those who are watching this online, if you've gotten comfortable staying home and watching the service online, I would challenge you and encourage you to come here next Sunday and see if it isn't a richer experience for you. You know, we're relational beings, even those of us who are introverts, and God intends his church to worship together. Uh, and if you are just uh, coming to the service only on a Sunday morning, I'd encourage you to start coming to adult Sunday school as well. Um, you need fellowship with others, and others need fellowship with you. And third, um, don't make secondary issues into primary issues. Take the phrase to heart that we emphasize in the membership class. It says, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity or love. And that's certainly not to diminish the secondary issues. There are many secondary issues that can sharpen us and that God can use to grow our faith. We've seen that right here this morning um, with all these important questions that are related to secondary issues for the most part. Um, but one of the things I've seen in the almost 22 years of attending here is that the secondary issues are also the things that can divide us. And we're certainly much stronger when we have unity. I've said many times that I think this is one of the strengths of Berean, that we can come together in the essentials when there is really a really wide range of thinking here on the secondary issues. It's kind of remarkable to me when I think of it how how that can work <laughs> because there is such a wide range. So I hope I'll be able to say that same thing um, after the next 22 years. And with that, I would like to close us in prayer as the worship team comes up for a final song. Father, thank you for this time this morning where we can uh, give some initial answers at least to these important questions that people raise. And I know um, that you've been at work in, in those questions and putting that onto people's hearts to, pr to propose those questions. You've been at work in us here as we've thought about answers to that and you'll be at work as we follow up and continue discussing these things and others. So I thank you for that. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for this church family and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.